Welcome, everybody. Welcome. We are here for sentencing. Let me pull it up right now because I think it just started. Uh, let's see if I have the right thing here. I think I do. I think I don't. Hold on. Okay. Now, now I'm broadcasting to myself. Okay, hold on. Here we go. I think I got it figured out. First, I need to take care of this. Goodbye. Here I am. <laughs> okay, that should take care of the echo. Let me pull up port feed. Sentencing. And it looks like right now we have uh, talking heads going. Oh, somebody's in court. Is this, uh, that's the closing argument. I'll go ahead and hide that now that it's ready. Let's see. Welcome, welcome. So it looks like we're here on time. Hey, I want to hide that. Hold on. There we go. All right. Just wanted to make sure I had it ready. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome. I wasn't sure who was going to stream today. I thought Joe um, Good Logic might be streaming, uh, but it appears not. So I decided to hop on. Um, so this is, of course, the Alex Murdoch trial. He was found guilty yesterday of uh, murdering his his wife and his son in uh, what I would consider an absolute travesty of justice. This is a bad trial. And I say that not with anger, but with disappointment. Like a, dis like a father with a troublesome kid. Um, I don't know of any legal system in the world that does a better job of uh, approximating something like justice than our American system. But it's imperfect. It's imperfect. And uh, this trial was a, a terrible example of how imperfect that system can be, how corrupt it can be. And that's got nothing to do with whether or not Alex Murdoch is a nice guy or not. Uh, I don't think he is a nice guy. All right. Looks like, we have, looks like we're here. Court's in session. Let me pull that up. Good morning. Party is ready to proceed. Bench is ready, Your Honor. All right, from the state, Mr. Waters. Thank you, Your Honor. Maximo. Uh, we're obviously here in the sentencing for the state versus Richard Alexander Murdoch. Uh, Your Honor. I have prepared the uh, sentencing sheets uh, signed up. If I can uh, hand those up to the clerk. We had a corrupt prosecution, corrupt law enforcement, corrupt judge. Uh, Your Honor, uh, very quickly, uh, the defendant has no prior record, uh, and the state has no uh, 
um, victim impact people who want to speak at this time. Uh, but I will address the court briefly. And I don't need uh, your honor to repeat the evidence uh, that your honor just heard for the past six weeks, uh, but it is overwhelming. And it shows this man to be a cunning manipulator, a man who placed himself above all others, including his family, uh, a man who violated the trust of so many, including his friends, his family, his partners, his profession, but most of all, Maggie and Paul. This is a very complicated situation, and I, I want to offer my condolences to the family that has suffered here. Uh, we have tried very hard to be respectful and sensitive regardless of what position any person took, uh, because this family has suffered and they've had to suffer in the public eye. And I want to offer my condolences to this family. I want to offer it for Maggie and Paul and Mr. Randolph too, who I had the pleasure of working with on one occasion. But the reality remains is that despite all this attention, this case is about Maggie Murdoch and Paul Murdoch. And I'm so thankful that the jurors gave them a voice. You heard about Paul, obviously there was the vote case, but you also heard him described as a fun-loving young man, a person who loved life, a person who would do anything for his friends, for anyone. And he's cut down as he was just starting to live his life. You heard about Maggie. You heard how sweet she was. You heard that she was a girl's girl who adapted to the outdoorsman life of her sons, how much she loved her sister and her brother-in-law and their children. And she was cut down in the prime of her life. Both of them, like everyone else, was unaware of who he really was. No one who thought they knew this man no one who thought they were close to this man knew who he really was. And, Your Honor, that's chilling. And I've looked in his eyes, and he liked to stare me down as he would walk by me during this trial. And I could see the real Alex Murdoch when he looked at me. So objectionable. The depravity, the callousness, the selfishness of these crimes are stunning the lack of remorse, and the effortless way in which he lies, including here sitting right over there in this witness stand. Your Honor, a man like that, a man like this man, should never be allowed to be among free law-abiding citizens again. And I would submit to you that the only just sentence here to give justice for Maggie and Paul is the maximum, and that would be two consecutive life sentence. There we go. Thank you. I expect the judge to deliver. Uh, you indicate that uh, no one, no victim would like to speak at this time. Uh, judge will speak for the victim now. Would any victim like to speak at any time during these proceedings? Your Honor, one of the things we did, and we did early on, uh, obviously, as I just said, it's a very complicated situation, but we made the decision early on. We've had our victim advocate here who's been doing a wonderful job, regardless of the viewpoints of any individual family member, to provide aid and service to them. And we made that decision. Uh, I'm informed by our victim advocate that uh, none of them wish to speak. Uh, the defense can certainly address that, but that's what I'm informed. But they certainly were offered the opportunity as is required. And I want to commend our victim advocate uh, on the excellent job she did 
in handling this complex situation that we wanted to be sensitive to because, again, I am not, none of us are not mindful of the fact of the suffering of this family. I know it's led Chief Mark Keel this year. Um, uh, would you like to address the court on any matters, Chief? No, sir. Uh, just to say, again, very proud of our agents' work they've done, and proud of the partnership that we've had with the Attorney General's office as we've had for many years. And uh, as again, think that we're here to see the justice to serve, and, and we believe that. Thank you. For the defense. Uh, Your Honor, um, Mr. Griffin and I would have no comment. The defendant would like to address the court, though. Mr. Good morning, Your Honor. I'm innocent. I would never hurt my wife, Maggie, and I would never hurt my son, Papa. Thank you, Your Honor. Thank you. Anything further? I don't think further comment is necessary, Your Honor. Thank you. Right. Murdoff, you have come the court for sentencing. They've got his leg shackled, too. That's why he's shuffling like that. I don't know if he's innocent or this not. This has been... That's not the question. Perhaps one of the most troubling cases, not just for me as a judge, for the state, for the defense team, but for all of the citizens in this community, all the citizens in this state, and as we've seen based on the media coverage there throughout the nation, you have a wife who's been killed, murdered, a son savage, savage, savagely murdered, the judge is allowed to rely on the jury verdict. If you believe the jury verdict, life sentence a lawyer, is the only appropriate sentence. A so. person from a respected family who has controlled justice in this community for over a century. A person whose grandfather's portrait hang at the back of the courthouse that I had to have ordered removed in order to ensure that a fair trial was had by both the state and the defense. And I've sat through the trial, not only have I sat through the trial, but also as the presiding judge of the state grand jury, uh, sat through and participated in the issuance of search warrants of various sorts, bond hearings, and uh, have had to consider many things. And we have this case, and I'm also assigned to preside over is it 99 others, at least 99 other cases. 
the testimony like has hasn't come up regarding it. many of those other cases. Uh, I will not make any comment with with regard to any other pending matter. You did. As you I have did. been assigned those cases as well. It's also particularly troubling, uh, Mr. Murdoch, because uh, as a member of the legal community and a well-known member of the legal community, uh, you've practiced law before me, and we've seen each other at various occasions throughout the years. And it was especially heartbreaking for me to see you um, go, on, go in the media from being a, a grieving father who lost a wife and a son to being the person indicted and convicted of killing them. And you've engaged in such duplicitous conduct uh, here in the courtroom, here on the witness stand, and as established by the testimony throughout the time leading from the time of the indictment and prior to the indictment throughout the trial to this moment in time, uh, certainly you uh, have no obligation to say anything other than saying not guilty. <clears throat> and obviously, as appeals are probably expected or absolutely expected, I would not uh, expect a confession of any kind. In fact, as I've presided over murder cases over the past 22 years, I have yet to find a defendant who could go there, who could go back to that moment in time when they decided to pull the trigger or to otherwise murder someone. I have not been able to get anyone, any defendant, even those who have confessed to being guilty, to go back and explain to me what happened at that moment in time when they opted to pull the trigger, when they opted to commit the most heinous crime. The judge acts like he found known to man. <laughs> In this case, qualifies under our death penalty statute based on statutory, the statutory aggravating circumstances. The more this judge talks, the better it is for Alec. Two or more people being murdered by the defendant by one act or pursuant to one scheme or course of conduct. I don't question at all the uh, decision of the state not to pursue uh, the death penalty. But as I sit here in this courtroom and look around the many um, 
portraits of judges and other court officials and reflect on the fact that over the past century, your family, including you, have been prosecuting people here in this courtroom and many have received the death penalty, probably for lesser conduct. He did a death penalty case? I doubt it. Remind me of the expression you uh, gave on the witness stand. Was it tangled? Tangled web we weave. Uh, uh, oh, what tangled web we weave. What did you mean by that? Meant when I lied, I continue to lie. And the question is, when will it end? When will it end? And it, it's ended already for the jury because they've concluded that you continue to lie and lie throughout your testimony. And perhaps with all the throng of people here, they, for the most part, all believe or 80, 90%, 99% believe that you continue to lie now when you, your statement of denial uh, to the court. Perhaps you believe that it's, it does not matter, uh, that there's nothing that can mitigate a sentence given the crime, crimes that were committed. I do need to replace the tie I lost in Vegas, so maybe I will set up a... You know, a notice of alibi was filed in this case by counsel in November, and we conducted a hearing, pre-trial hearing, in which you claim to have been someplace else at the time the crime was committed. Then, after all of the witnesses placed you at the scene of the crime... At the last minute, or last minutes or days, you, 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 you switch courses and admit it to being there. Hey, Nate, I sent you a guest link if you want and to. Then that necessitated Twitter. more lies and Twitter continue DM. to lie. And, um, and I said, will, will it end? It's already ended for many who have heard you and uh, concluded that. It'll never end, but within your own soul, you have to deal with that. <clears throat> and I know you have to see Paul and Maggie during the night times when you're attempting to go to sleep. <laughs> I'm sure they come and visit you. I'm sure. <laughs> How personal. All day and every night. Yeah, I'm sure. And they will continue to do so and, and reflect on the last time they looked you in the eyes as you looked the jury in the eyes. Um, Yo! This I don't know um, person who's always been such a gregarious, friendly person uh, and cause your life to be tangled in such a weave web, uh, such a situation that you, um, yours have 
spun into. Uh, and it's so unfortunate. Here you go, Kurt. Twitter DM. Because you have such a lovely family of such friendly people, including you. And to go from that to this. Um, you know, your license to practice law has been stripped away from you. you turned from lawyer to witness. And now uh, have an opportunity to make your final appeal. Uh, it's not the final appeal. As, a, as an ex-lawyer. And it's almost, uh, it's really surprising that you're waiving this right at this time. And if you opt to do so, it's on you. I want in the bag. You're not compelled to say anything. But you have the opportunity to do so. The judge wants him to be and then he'll sentence him to life. Respect this court. Yeah. Yeah. I'm innocent. I would never, under any circumstances, hurt my wife, Maggie. And I would never, under any circumstances, hurt my son, Paul Paul. Well, and it might not have been you. It might have been. What? Uh, what? The monster you become when you oh. <laughs> take 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 opioid no. pills. 60 pills a day. It's Maybe you become five. another person. Um, Everyone's known him for 20 years. I've seen that before. That's how he is. Yeah, the, the person standing before me was not the person who committed the crime, though it's the same individual. Um He's heard this before. This judge, twenty-two years of doing murder. You just said he was. We'll leave that at that. Before announcing sentence on these cases, he's going to your maximum. With regard out. to all of the other pending cases, what he's got to plead out of the pending cases. He's he's confessed. Are to any of them he's here in Colladin, or I'm sure some of them are. Yes, sir. Half of them, or. I, I don't have that in front of me, but there are a substantial number of charges here. There's some. I just want you to know I'm going to have more doing those two. Uh, Alan Dale. No, Andrew. Um, there may be others I'm not thinking of right now. We might have worn out our welcome here in Colleton. Um, they have been, and I'll take this opportunity to thank Sheriff Hill and um, all of the court officials and and really everyone I've met and, and dealt with while here in Colleton County just been great. But without any delay, we're going to schedule some of the other matters. I know Mr. Harkutman is complicated cases. and you've sacrificed quite a bit to be able to hear, be here um, defending uh, Mr. Murdoch as well as the Attorney General's office uh, with all the other many, many things and obligations you have. And to be able to have the Attorney General here, um, Alan Wilson, for the period of time that he's uh, devoted to being here along with everyone else, it's, it's, it's been uh, quite a sacrifice. Uh, but there are other victims whose cases deserve to be heard. 
And this case has jumped some of those other cases, um, perhaps jumped it because of the, in this case resulting in an, an assault on the integrity of the judicial system in our state, law enforcement in our state, Even during this trial, the law enforcement has been maligned for the past. Well, they lied to the grand jury. Yeah. By one who had access to to the wheels of justice to be able to deflect. Damn, she lied to the grand jury. The investigation. And as the evidence is pointed out in this case, the looming storm that Mr. Waters talked about, I can just imagine on that day, June 7, when a lawyer is confronted and confesses to having stolen over a half a million dollars. Well, he didn't confess on June 7. From a client. Oh, no, he and did. So the a like Mark Tinsley on his tail pursuing a tiger, a tiger like Mark Tinsley in the <laughs> case involving the death of Mallory Beach. And having a father, for the most part, on his deathbed. I could imagine. I really but can't they don't kill your your family. That doesn't make uh, any sense, Judge. I'm sorry. I know it had to have been quite a bit uh, going through your mind on that day. But amazingly, to have you come and testify that it was just another ordinary day that my that wife and son and I were out just enjoying life. Well, they were. That you saw that on the video. Not credible. Not believable. But you saw that on the video. You didn't have to believe him. Either. You can That's convince yourself about it, but obviously you have the inability to convince anyone else about that. Yeah, that's true. You can't convince so, anyone else about it. If you made any such arguments as a lawyer, you would lose every case of that, like that. Cases you will never have an opportunity to argue anymore. Perhaps your own as you um, sit in the Department of Corrections. So much hate. <laughs> yeah, this guy, is, he doesn't feel the hate. Anything further. Yeah, he hates this guy. All right, Mr. Murdoch, I sentence you to the State Department of Corrections on each of the murder indictments in the murder of your wife, Maggie Murdoch. I sentence you for term of the rest of your natural life. What a shocker, right? The murder of Paul Murdoch. That that just shook him to look at him. Whom you probably love so much. I sentence you to prison for murdering him for the rest of your natural life. Those sentences will run consecutive. Damn. Under the statute involving possession of a weapon during a violent crime, there is no sentence where life a life sentence is imposed on other indictments. 
Yeah, there's no sentence on anything else. So five years, like double life court, and you are remanded to the State Department of Corrections. <laughs> consecutive and, and life sentences, not even concurrent. Consecutive life sentences. On the hardly matters. <laughs> if they kill you and bring you back, you still got to serve an extra life sentence. It's that's wild. Consecutive life sentences. Oh, there was a state AG was in the courtroom. Yeah. But he but the, the, the thing is is that he was going yes, to 30 years on the other on the other yes, stuff sir. anyway. So he know he was going to jail. It's just he's not. All right, I think that's it. I'm gonna cut it out before the talking heads get started. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shit. Um I told you yeah, and, and by I the way, I have you. no idea if Alec Murdoch is innocent. Whether or not he's innocent is not the legal question. The legal no, question sir. is whether or not the state proved him guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Alec Murdoch as a human being doesn't mean anything to me. I don't care if he goes to prison for the rest of his life or not, and he almost certainly will for the financial crimes. Yeah. But I care a lot about the process. I care a lot about due process of law. And this was not a just prosecution. No, 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 not at all. I, I, I think I, I think the appeal is for a loser. I don't think he's gonna win the appeal. I think there's just too much here. But the from and what keep in I mind, if he won an appeal, what would that mean? Just another murder. Goes back, we do it again. We, we do it again. But plus, I think if, if even if appeal he wins the appeal, he's still doing 30, 30 plus years on the financial. He's got ninety nine other cases. Ninety nine other. Well, cases. I think he's looking at life on the financial stuff alone. Yeah, so, so I, I don't think there's any reasonable view of the of the future where he doesn't spend the rest of his life in prison. Uh, yeah, that's that's not my concern though. On the legal merits, did the state prove him guilty beyond a reasonable doubt of brutally murdering his wife and son? No, I don't buy absolutely it. Absolutely not. No, not a uh, an entirely not. circumstantial case with no credible motive. Um, and their alternative, reasonable alternative hypotheses for the killings, all the people who hated them, the boat accident people, the drug people. Um, I don't think anyone should be found guilty on that basis. And by the way, one thing that really bothered me about this, you know, we, we have these rules of evidence, 403, 404, that are supposed <laughs> to keep out other prior bad acts, yeah. any proclivity evidence, propensity evidence. But it, I guess all the state ever has to say now is, well, we think that was part of the motive, that he wanted to cover it up. And therefore, anything you've ever done becomes admissible as part of the theory of the state's case. And if that's allowed, if that's the argument that's allowed to get past 403 and 404, why do 4 and 3 and 404 even exist? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so people know 403 or 404, those are the propensity evidence. So, for instance, if you just, here in this particular case, a lot of, and let's just be honest, if you remove all of the propensity stuff, which is the financial crimes, which is the impersonating police officers, which is all of the thefts and all that stuff that he did, removing that makes this a totally different case because you can't go like even now you can't go and say he lied to his clients he lied to this he lied to, and he's lying to you too because all of that would be irrelevant to this case and i think if you do try the case without the propensity stuff you have a different outcome because i don't think you can get this and there's no way i can see them getting to guilty um without the propensity stuff but i do have to i i do want to make this argument so this was the argument that was being made last night even on fox news which i was shocked fox news was making this argument wow. the fact the it all comes down, and everybody keeps saying this, it all comes down to the lie, to the lie about him not being near prior. And what they're saying is that 
there was he was texting right after he went down. He was texting. He stopped texting, and they're saying that when he stopped texting his friend is when the murders happened, and that puts you from about eight eight forty five to about nine o'clock. So they Which believe that is, is speculation, right? So I've yeah, been course, on the stream thirty two minutes. Thirty two minutes ago was the last time I I activated my phone. Does that mean I died thirty two minutes ago? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. But what they're saying is that he's the only one there. The two guns that were missing happened to be two guns that could be the murder weapons. Like all, like if you put all the circumstantial stuff together, it can lead to a conviction. Now, I don't buy that because my personal is that I think the state has to prove their case. And I just don't think there was enough here to prove it without the propensity evidence, without them saying he lied up to all these other people. I think that emotion got them to where they have the conviction. That's why I said yesterday when I've been what I've been saying it all since we watching the trial, they're going to convict him, but it's not going to be on the murder. They're convicting him based on the propensity evidence. Well, it and certainly looks that way, right? I mean, I don't even know why we had six weeks of trial because no jury that comes back after six weeks of testimony in less than three hours with the guilty verdict deliberated. There was no, no deliberation no, no, happening. No. They, they knew. They knew walking in. They knew walking in. This, this guy was guilty. But the thing is, OJ, they knew walking in he was innocent, right? I mean, he was not guilty. So they, they, they came right out. Uh, it, this, this was a tough case. This was a tough case. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I know a lot of people were, were hating on me yesterday because I, I called it. But you guys got to understand, those jurors were fed shit for six weeks. And they oh longer for years. I mean, yeah, since and, it happened, ever and ever since Sled falsely claimed they had a blood spattered shirt, that was in the media all over the county. Yeah, it's in the Netflix documentary. That's the reason why we know he's guilty. And now we know at the end of the trial, they said that didn't. That's not. There was no again. There was no physical evidence that actually tied him to this scene. Uh, unless you you unless uh, the only thing that tied him was that he found them. He found them. That was it. Right. That was the only thing that tied him to the scene. He found him. And all the evidence that presented them, you know, I picked my I saw their shot, so I picked up a gun and I got gunpowder on me, but the gunpowder wasn't from shooting anybody, it was from the gun I picked up, right? All these things are equally indicative of somebody innocent. As they would right. be for someone guilty, and I think that's the, and, the fear. And, and that's a that's a good test for whether or not a claimed fact fact is a material fact that should be given weight. If the yeah. fact could be the opposite, and you would still come to the same conclusion, it's not a material fact. And here, the state's like, well, he had a bloody shirt, and he also didn't have a bloody shirt, and both of those are consistent with guilt. He had gunshot residue. He didn't have gunshot residue. Both of those are consistent with guilt. He hid the guns successfully at his mother's house, but for some reason didn't also hide the blue raincoat he supposedly had the guns in. That he left out to be found. If he if that was gone, they'd say he would have hidden that too. Both are consistent with guilt. What the state did here, of course, is start with their conclusion that he was guilty and then just fit all the puzzle pieces into a path that arrived at the conclusion they already arrived at. But do, do you think this is his, his attorney's fault? Do, do you blame the lawyers for this? I, I think he had... I, the attorneys I think, made mistakes I here. I mean, this was not a perfect defense, but I don't think it would have mattered. But I, but not, I also, now, the, not when we see the jury come back in less than three hours at a verdict. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because, because how, how do you argue? Is there any mistakes that you could have done differently? Because uh, to be honest with you, me just watching the case, before I watched the Netflix thing, I, I'm voting not guilty. 
After watching Netflix, I'm voting guilty. So I'm thinking, yeah, like you guys were saying, <laughs> it's just the town, everything. Everybody knows <laughs> this is a bad. Yeah, yeah. It's but it shows you how the stuff from the outside has affected even my thinking about this. But you know, I, 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 I yesterday there were a lot of people blaming the jury for this, and I don't. I think you blame the judge, and I think you blame the prosecutors because the judge let a lot of stuff in. That in no criminal case would be in it because the judge was egregious, just egregious. For example, they had that the state on rebuttal brings in this uh, cell phone expert. His expertise is data extraction, and he's allowed to testify as an expert on the physics of the phone. And the defense objects. They said, no, your honor. Uh, He says, well, you can't object now. You accepted him as an expert, an expert in a particular scope. Not an expert on everything. What's he going to talk now about the manufacturing process or cell phones? I mean, he doesn't know anything about any of that. But the judge was like, told, told the defense, sit down, sit down, shut up. I've ruled. And that's just egregious. Yeah, that that's yes, 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 yes. Because you, you should be able to object if somebody's testifying outside their expertise. That's bullshit. But again, it's, you know, this judge, I think this judge showed his hand a little bit at the sentencing. And that I was know arguably the key. Stuff. The key piece of evidence in the case was the state's claim that he could have thrown the phone out the window. Yes. And absent that expert's rebuttal testimony, he would have had to have been in two places half a mile apart at the same time, which would have made it impossible. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think it's impo- I think the, pro- the problem here is that the defense didn't really get to the impossibility of 17 minutes. No, they didn't. 17 minutes. Because think about this, people. From shooting both of them with two guns. He only has 17 minutes clean up, which they said was on a, with a water hose, clean up, clean, get the bloody clothes off, hide the guns, and travel to mom's house. 17 minutes. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a lot. They, they, they did. They didn't mention it on the on closing, but they didn't do it effectively. And listen, when, when I say the defense could have been better, when I'm critical of the defense, I don't mean. As human beings, I'm not saying yeah, I could have done better. Right. They're in the trenches. They're doing this for six weeks. They were, Jim Griffin was clearly exhausted on that rebuttal and on that closing. I mean, he was completely wiped out. I just get to sit at my desk and enjoy watching it. Right. So <laughs> I, I, I can I can, I have the luxury of not being exhausted. So when I'm critical of the defense, I mean, in, in comparison to what a perfect defense might have looked like. But but nobody's perfect. The defense isn't perfect. That's It would be unreasonable to hold them to that expectation. But Griffin, on cross of that rebuttal expert, um, and on closing, he was done, man. He was cooked, and those were not good performances. Kurt, what's going yeah, on, How's bro? it going, everyone? Uh, we're sitting here watching Better this. Better than Alex Murdoch. <laughs> <laughs> what would you think? I was surprised. I, I was surprised the jury came back so fast. Oh um, yeah, oh, yeah. With the three hours thing, you know the the typical thinking on this kind of issue is that the jury comes back really quick. It's usually a favorable verdict for the defense because the idea being, if you're gonna, you know, if it's innocence, it's either you know, it's either innocence because we have to actually go through the evidence to prove guilt in our own mind, or it's a rock solid guilt. Like, you know, something like Daryl Brooks and even Daryl Brooks, I think their jury took longer than this, if memory serves. But that would be the kind of thing that you'd expect a jury to come back really fast because it's like, it's the, know, it's we, right, we, right we, there, we he's just, on camera, just, we, it's we, over, yeah. It's like, what more do you want, right? We're, we're, we're done here. So the fact that the jury came back in, in this case, which I think is much more ambiguous, whatever you can say about it, while I think there's probably a technical sufficiency 
or guilt. Yeah, I think also that you know the jury there is a there is some combination of the evidence the jury can get to beyond reasonable doubt. I don't think that they should because reasonable doubt is present as Andrew has talked about and Nate has talked about and everyone else has talked about. The motive you have to work really hard to get beyond a reasonable doubt. Yeah, it's kind of not be a guilty verdict. So I, I was a little disappointed in this jury to come back so fast with with the guilt verdict. Well, and the so, only message I can take, obviously, I can't mind read, but the only message I can take, given the brevity of deliberations, is that there were no substantive deliberations. And this was yeah. not an overwhelming evidence case. He was not soaked in blood, holding the murder weapons in each hand when the cops rolled out. Right. But, you know, you know, I see, I think this was cumulative in terms of just everything being there. Like, who it, it, it turned into who else could it be if not him? And I don't. No, I know I that's that's, right. a, that's that's an inappropriate question for a jury to be going into deliberations. Sure, you're shifting but, the burden to the defense now. Exactly, but that's what they went in with, right? Who else could it be? Who else saw them alive? Who else was in the, in the place? You have you have opportunity, you have means, right? The two guns that happen to be missing, and all of those coincidences, which we call circumstantial evidence, just fit just enough to say, if not him, then who? Then you add all the propensity stuff to it. And like I think what Kurt is saying, I think sufficiently a jury could come to this conclusion. Yes. But mm-hmm. I think if a jury were to actually take their time and go over the evidence, which which I would hope any jury does, and say, it could this happen theoretically? Could he do all this in the 17 seconds? Let's go. Let's walk through it. I think it takes longer than, than, than three hours. And I think at the end of the day, they probably just went inside the instance. Is there anybody who did who think he didn't do it? And, I think and that's, that's why that's, that's why conclusion. especially in politically motivated prosecutions, the, the, they're willing to take the shot because they know there's always a chance the pieces will fall together. And even in, innocent people get convicted, folks, if innocent people yes. didn't get convicted, we wouldn't need appellate courts. We wouldn't need the innocent project. Um, it, 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 it happens. And a lot of times the prosecutors just hope like this is the judge that Binger wished he had in the Rittenhouse prosecution. Yes. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, even more so. Sure. Could you this, imagine? This, this judge, I'll my allow. God. This judge allowed everything. I don't, I don't. Well, it's, it's well whether crazy. it's substantially more prejudicial than probative is for the jury to decide, don't you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's crazy because under this standard, this judge's standard, four or three and four or four don't mean anything because yeah. if the state's willing yeah. to allege, well, our theory of the case is that. Uh, those uh, concealing discovery of those prior bad acts was part of the motive for the crime. Apparently, he gets to come in. That's a four four. That's a it's a four oh four exception now. Motive. If you can tie yeah. it to motive, it's a four oh four exception. So, but I don't see how you get financial crimes as a motive for right. the murders. And that's if there had been uh, an email from Alec Murdoch to somebody saying. Oh my God, I'm about to be blown out of the water by the discovery of this. All right, then you have some evidence. Otherwise, this whole he's going to be discovered, and that's why he killed his wife, his, uh, his uh, wife and son, is complete speculation. There's no yeah. evidence to support that. And the 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 bigger problem, at least for and me, and by is the way, he'd been caught before. He'd been yeah. caught before in these financial shenanigans, and he'd always gotten out of it. He'd been check. found with the drugs before, and he'd always gotten yeah. out of it. But see, yeah. th- th- this is how the analysis should have gone. Okay, you want to bring in this propensity evidence under 404. All right, so you got the financial crimes. Yes, you, you want it for motive. Now, you run it through 403. 
the balancing test, right? Is it more prejudicial or probative? And I think that's where it fails. And I think that's where the judge made the mistake of law. It fails under that test because it's obviously more prejudicial, right? They're going to convict him on the financial crimes, which he's not even, which he's, which he hasn't been, which, which has nothing to do with this at this point in time. And it's so tenuous the motive that it's going to be an over, it's definitely going to be prejudicial. And I think that failing is one thing I would, I would be appealing. I would be appealing like, Hey, even if you say it's propensity, it failed on four three. This was definitely more prejudicial than probative, especially because it's, it's it's not only prior bad acts. This is prior crimes, right? He has to, he literally has to sit there and say he committed all these crimes on the stand, which I think. And I and I and I and I also going to disagree with both of you guys too on this. Um, he shouldn't testify. I think him testifying is what got him caught up here. He shouldn't testify. Didn't help. No. Yeah, I don't think it helped at all. I think I think I think one of the reasons why it's different if other people call you a liar. Then if you go up to the stand and, and, and admit that you're a liar, does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. I, I think the biggest problem with the, 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 the so-called motive evidence is the judge made really no attempt at all to limit or cabin the so-called motive evidence. Because if you somehow believe that his house of cards is coming down that evening because of the $792,000 check or the boat case or stuff like that, and that's somehow your theory of the motive, like the, 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 the reality is coming crashing in then. Okay. If you're, but how do you go like back 10 years and be like, let's talk about all the fraud you did ever. How's that related now to a mode? His motive exactly. is 10 years in the making now. Is that what we're yeah. saying? So 10, 10 years ago, basically I started the seeds of my murder plots <laughs> and his problems aren't what, diminished. That, that's what that is. That's what inspired motive by its nature is the thing that inspires you to commit the crime. So for it to be motive, it would have to be the thing, the reason that he did it. So 10 years ago, basically, he was starting his very slow-moving murder plot. I'm not sure about that one, Judge. So that's the biggest obvious issue for appeal, to my mind, is just the the scope. And then you get into four or three issues because you deal with confusion of the issues of jurors, yeah. undue delay, undue repetition, undue prejudice, and all that kind of thing. And then, of course, as Andrew noted, the the expert testifying about things that he himself says is outside his expertise, but it's okay because he didn't do a scientific test. What? That's sort yeah, of the exact no problem. And then that goofy crime scene expert for the state, he's yeah. like, well, it was a very, very dynamic scene. Everyone's moving around. Also, he was on his knees to get the gun low enough to fire the shot the way I say, it. all right, well, I don't know if you've ever tried to run on your knees. <laughs> you, you don't yeah. do it very dynamically. Yeah, this was a shit case. Uh, again, I like I, I honestly didn't think they had enough to charge him. Go go oh, up they, against they made stuff them. up. Yeah. They made up the victim. bloody shirt. They made up the other shotguns in the house that supposedly were loaded the same way that the shotgun he was holding was loaded. That that was a, those were complete fabrications. And they knew it. And 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 you, and you got gunshot wounds that are consistent with a with someone who's under five feet five, right? Who's five <laughs> foot five and lower, and he's six four. It's like there's just there's just so much reasonable doubt, and and the thing I think the defense dropped the ball on so bad is when the prosecutor said about the two shooters versus one shooter, it's equally likely. It yeah, yeah, yeah. There was definitely some moments like one. that. That's it. Boom. You should, that, you that you should be it, hammering you should, on. There were a couple moments like that for the defense, and it would have probably been beneficial to have a demonstrative where you had like each of those things where basically the witness, preferably the state witnesses in particular, said some version of it's reasonable. It could be this. It could be that. And just be like, okay, you want reasonable doubt? Here's a reasonable doubt. The state medical examiner said this. He said it's reasonable. It could be two people. The state reconstruction expert said this. The state, in their own closing, 
said, oh, it's equally probable. That sounds like a reason. And then you go through. So that that, that was a missed opportunity. No, I have to believe say- a big part of it is just how exhausted the defense had to be at this point. And I, I saw much the same thing in the Derek Chauvin trial where Derek Chauvin had one defense attorney uh, and an assistant, I guess, another lawyer, but not didn't argue anything in court. And then the, the, the state had 12, 15 attorneys on the panel, yeah. and they were all taking turns arguing. They weren't even all there on every day. Uh, and then in the evenings, they were filing motions with the court that the defense counsel had to respond to. So he was in trial all day, then responding to motions all night. And by the end of that trial, you could see that guy was exhausted. And yeah. you're, you're just not as sharp when you're tired. But, I, I, but I, to, to give Eric Nelson credit, though, he gave the best defense possible for Derek Chauvin. Derek Chauvin wasn't getting out of there, but he gave he gave a hell of a defense. I think he did so, a fine job, but you can yeah, see him getting tired job. at the end. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, but it, it's it's just a, it's unfortunate. This in this case particularly, it's unfortunate because I think this guy, different than Derek Chauvin, had the means. He had multiple attorneys up there. He had a whole law firm right up there um, next to him. So I, I don't think that's the same issue here. But I what I do think though is that if you add the judges essentially incompetence with the prosecutor's vigor for just getting it in. There's a lot of stuff that shouldn't have gotten in. And I, and, and I know I go on and I'll continue to say he was convicted for other crimes here. Yeah. The murder it was seems just likely no, he's going away. I mean, for it's, it's weird that the judge on sentencing on these convictions spent so much time talking about the upcoming financial crimes that he's also going to preside over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I'm not sure. and th- that would scare the shit out of me <laughs> if I was him. I'm like, but but what but, but what's the matter, right? He's going to get more. What I'm going to get three more life sentences on top of this? No, and the, like, the world's you know. just gone crazy over this. They're so emotionally invested. I mean, I'm I'm seeing purported lawyers on Twitter saying that um, uh, Alec Murdoch is doing something wrong by pleading not guilty in the financial crimes. I mean, after all, he said he did them right in this trial. Um, yeah, but folks. You're allowed to plead not guilty and compel the state to prove you guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a fundamental civil right in America. It doesn't make yeah. you a bad person any more than wanting a lawyer makes you a bad person. Yeah, and you know what they're going to do? They're going to use his testimony in this court under oath as a party opponent. Sure, and they should. Sure, this there we go. But yeah, but. Yeah, this is this guy. <laughs> Even if he gets out on these, and you know this guy's matching them out for the financial crimes. He just literally just heard them all here. You're going into another thing, and and also, how come this judge? How come this judge? You didn't ask for this judge to be recused. He has this long history with the guy. He says he's been in parties with the guy. Why? Why are you now his judge? Well, maybe he, or did he have that relationship with all the judges? I don't know. That that just seemed weird to me for you to have such a such a relationship with the judge. And that be the same judge who's now in all your cases. It just doesn't make sense. Aren't <laughs> they other judges? It just happens sometimes, I guess. You know, I mean, they're supposed to be more or less randomly assigned. But I remember in the Zimmerman trial, his uh, Deborah Nelson, I believe, was his judge. And she was terribly biased in favor of the state. He got acquitted. And then he turned around. And he sued NBC and other news agencies for fabricating photos of him to make him look more guilty. Yeah. And she turned out to be the civil trial in a civil case against the media. And she dismissed this, the civil claim against the media. And then someone tried to kill George Zimmerman. He was driving down the road to a doctor's appointment and someone tried to shoot him in the head. That guy got charged with attempted murder. And guess who the criminal judge was in that trial in which now Zimmerman was the victim of an attempted murder charge. It was the same judge, Deborah Nelson. It's the world's wow. a weird place. Uh, well, listen, guys, I, you know, we. I, it's sad because. 
I still remember the great like when 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 um Rittenhouse got off, which shows you how crazy this world is, right? Rittenhouse, when he got off, we celebrated, but but there shouldn't have been celebration. He should never even been charged, Rittenhouse. But we had to we celebrate that. Then you got Kim Potter, which was I think a total travesty of justice. That that one is just even even as egregious. And now you have this, where I think like I I, I agree with Kurt technically. Based on the law, I don't think you can get this overturned by saying insufficient evidence because you you had enough where the jury could say we didn't believe him. So this is where we're going with this, and I think that's where they're going to hang their hat on. That's why I don't. I think agree. That's the problem. The, the six weeks of testimony, the way the judge kept expanding the scope of the testimony, I, I think that's if it wasn't a strategy on the part of the state, it should have been uh, to overcome any future claim of uh, insufficient weight of the evidence because you look how much we had. Right. We had dozens of witnesses. Now, to my mind, if you have a thousand pieces of evidence that are immaterial, (laughs) it shouldn't make any difference. It's just layers of tissue paper. It doesn't get you up to proof beyond a reasonable doubt. Uh, But it's a matter of fact within the province of the jury. Exactly the kind of thing. You know, appellate courts don't like to reverse convictions. What what does Steve Gosney say? Less than one percent of appeals end up in a reversal. Uh, So often. You know, if you read those appellate decisions, often it seems like they're looking, they're just looking for a reason not to reverse. Uh, and province of the jury is one of their favorite ones. Uh, the judge of the facts, huh? The judge of the facts. But the thing is, is that I, I also got to say one thing about the evidence here is that putting him on the stand and putting his credibility before the jury. I think when you go back to that jury room, it's either do you believe the state? Or do you believe him versus do you believe the state or do you believe, you know, you, the other witnesses that you've put on? And I think when it when you when you met when they made it this credibility test between the state's witnesses who had lied and him, who is a confessed liar, who says I lied during this trial, I'm lying, he's lying everywhere. I think you lose that. And I think that's the problem here by him going on that dichotomy of do you believe him or do you believe the state? That was the, the thing that, that just destroyed it. And not having a good answer for that, why did you lie before? And I understand, like you guys were saying before, sled, he don't trust sled. That's just not a good enough answer when your family's just been killed. You got to give me something better than I don't, he didn't trust sled. You didn't trust sled when your family's just killed and you're right there. You, they say, when's the last time you saw him? Let's try to find a killer. You, you lie. I think that hurt him a lot. But I think that alone doesn't convict him. I think that plus the propensity evidence gets you to where we're at now with two consecutive life sentences. It could be, could be gentlemen. Anyway, listen, I've got a a media thing I have to do, but I I wanted to cover the sentencing. I really appreciate you guys coming on, but I won't keep you any longer. Uh, Wait, before you go, I'm always bad about this. Where can people find you? My name is my, my name is Nate, the lawyer, just Nate, Google Nate, the lawyer, and you'll find me there. I'm currently in a lawsuit against Christopher Boozy. I'm doing a whole bunch of stuff. So that's right. Boozy bucks. So hopefully, hopefully we'll be getting a decision here soon. And Hey, listen, listen, guys, if you, if you follow me, two things, I love the law, but I, you know, I just give it to you the way it is. If I, you're going to, you're going to agree with some of the shit I say, you're going to disagree with some of the shit I say, but I don't, I don't care anything about Murdoch, but I do care about the law. That's why I'm able to say I would have voted not guilty. But I understand why he's convicted. And you can find me on Uncivil Law. We've got some great U.S. Supreme Court case videos coming out in the near future. Three decisions recently from the U.S. Supreme Court. I've filmed videos on and edited. So just need to be posted. Plus, we got oral arguments we're going to be doing in the Twitter case at some point in the near future. Plus, also the student loan case that was just argued at the U.S. Supreme Court. I believe that was yesterday. 
We'll be doing the oral argument discussion of that, trying to figure out whether or not the Biden administration can waive student loan debt based on the relative loss. So should be fun. Check me out on Civil Law. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks for coming on. Take Talk care, to you guys. Soon. All right, folks, and uh, I'm going to wrap up. But before I do, I do want to mention, of course, today's content has been sponsored by none other than me, Law Self-Defense. Saturday, April 15th, we have upcoming our Law Self-Defense Advanced Live Online class, full-day class on how to make yourself hard to convict if you're ever compelled to use force in defense of yourself, your family, your property, an unattractive target for prosecution. This is the only class scheduled for 2023. So don't miss it, Saturday, April 15th. And if you can't make the live class on Saturday, register anyway. You'll get access to the replay of the class for a month or so afterwards so you can watch it at your convenience. And if you watched it live, you can rewatch it. Uh, if you'd like to refresh your recollection on parts of the class, it's all day live, taught by me, streamed to you at your computer, plenty of opportunity for Q&A. And if you sign up this month, March, for that April 15th class, you get 10% off your registration Learn more and sign up at lawofselfdefense.com slash advanced. You might also consider getting a copy of our very popular book, Law of Self-Defense Principles. Check it out on Amazon, 1,200-plus reviews, five-star rated bestseller in their criminal law segment. But don't buy it on Amazon. They'll charge you for the book and the shipping and handling. We give you the book for free. We only ask that you cover the cost of shipping the book to you. You can get the Law of Self-Defense Principles at lawselfdefense.com slash free book. Makes sense. Or you can get the beautiful, handsome, hardcover edition of the same book, Law of Self-Defense Principles. And you know where to get this, folks, don't you? The hardcover of Law of Self-Defense Principles. You can get it at lawofselfdefense.com slash get hard. All right, folks. Oh, Super Chats. I should check out Super Chats and also the member comments. Let's see. Law Self-Defense members, if you'd like me to a answer a question, folks, during the, the remainder of this live show, make it a, a super chat, $5 minimum on YouTube. Uh, do the same on Rumble. I'll check out the Rumble rants if anybody does Rumble rants. Uh, or be a Law Self-Defense member. Put your question in the member chat on the dashboard where we're also streaming and get your question answered for free. No additional cost. And being a Law Self-Defense member, folks, it's about 30 cents a day. Less than 10 bucks a month. And you get all your questions answered instead of paying five bucks plus a pop. So let me check out. Oh, you can become a law of self-defense member at lawofselfdefense.com slash join. You can do that right now. Lawofselfdefense.com slash join. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Alec was uh, the jury returned their verdict of guilty on both the murder counts and, of course, the gun charges uh, yesterday after less than three hours of deliberation. Last evening. Stephen says, uh, Andrew, I'm a grad student uh, and I've officially decided to go to law school after watching you, Nick, and everyone else taking the LSAT in June. Good luck, Stephen. Good luck. I hope you're doing it because you have a passion for the law and not for the money. There's a lot of not very wealthy lawyers out there, I'll tell you that. Uh, for the LSAT, the best advice I could give you is take lots of practice exams. That's what worked for me. Um, Joe writes, ABC interviewed a juror this morning. They said all the jurors had a guilty verdict in 45 minutes. Yep, no, no deliberation there. Joe Dobbs says, if he wins an appeal, is his uh, testimony in this trial admissible? Yes. Uh, Paul 
Uh, if he does win an appeal, I think he'll get the same judge. So it's a hopeless case. So normally that's true. Normally, if you, you're convicted and you appeal and you get a reversal of your conviction and it's remanded for a new trial, normally it goes back to the original trial judge. I've heard that this judge is retiring. If that's the case, and appeals typically take years. Um, so if he's retired by the time the conviction is reversed and remanded for a new trial, obviously there'd be a new judge. And that new judge, it's a whole new trial. So that judge is not bound by the rulings of this judge. Yeah, you don't want to be a criminal defendant, folks, if you could possibly avoid it. Because you always hear me saying there's at least a 10% chance you get convicted, even if you're completely innocent. For a variety of reasons. And we saw a lot of those reasons in this trial. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, so if if there were a new trial with a different judge, the different judge could make different rulings on all these prior bad acts evidence. Let's see. Uh, Michael Becker, do I think he will appeal? Well, yeah, why not? I mean, what else is he going to do? So let's, let's presume he's going to be sentenced to life in prison for the financial stuff. So He's spending the rest of his life in in prison. Uh, He is a trained lawyer. He can represent himself. Uh, I would appeal, uh, even though it's not going to change whether or not I'm prison, it would change whether or not I have been found guilty of murdering my wife and son. And obviously that's important to him. So what else is he going to do with his day but appeal? Even if he's doing a pro se, even if he's representing himself. And that wouldn't really cost him any money. Uh, let's see. Question. Worst decision because it was emotion-based. Chauvin or this? You know, it's hard to say. I mean, obviously here we don't have that racial component, but uh, juries are supposed to render verdicts based on reason. That's why we have phrases like reasonable doubt, not on uh, emotion, favor, disfavor, bias. And they're told that. But they'll do it anyway especially if uh, doing it is made easy by the courts. Okay, let me take a look at Super Chats. That was all the membership stuff. Supers. What have we got? Oh, my gosh, we got a whole bunch. Wow. Okay. Smoky Bones, $20 Super Chat. Thank you very much. Says, uh, I never get to see you live, but I'm off work today. Happy to be able to send you a Super Chat. Yeah, with all these Super Chats, I'm, I may be able to afford a new tie. Hey, and speaking of which, $50. Holy cow. From Amazing Wireless 2, $50 for the Branca Tie Fund. Thank you. For those who don't know, I was recently in Vegas with Nick Rakita Law for a little get-together he'd, he'd arranged. And uh, I went there with a tie. And I left without the tie. And it was a it was one of my better ties. So uh yeah, I have to uh, I have to replace it. Kimmy, ten dollar tie donation. Thanks so much. Thanks for picking up the slack of those other <laughs> shyster lawyers who ditched us today. Uh healthy mama, five dollar super chat. Who is the black lady behind Alec? That's not agreeing with the judge. I, I didn't see it. I'm sorry. Mandy Caravicius. $5 super chat. If this was Wisconsin, Alex would face a $500 fine. 
Uh, enraged Bacon, $20 super chat. It sounded like they just really wanted to give the death penalty out. So what are the chances for appeal, even though appeals are for le- losers? Well, there's lots of grounds for appeal. And, and frankly, it's... So just watching the trial as it progressed, there were many opportunities for objection that the defense did not take. And typically, if you don't object to something you believe is error, it's not preserved for appeal. The appellate court doesn't want to hear it. It's a little more complicated in this case because I know the defense objected to a lot of stuff uh, early on, even before the trial proper started, and they kept repeating, we don't have any additional objections. But all the objections we made earlier, we're, we're still holding on to those. That's a sketchy strategy for the defense because a lot of times the appellate courts, again, the appellate courts are looking for reasons not to reverse, and they can get very particular about whether or not an error has been preserved for appeal. And if you have what's called a a running objection, which is kind of what they did here, a lot of times the appellate courts will say, no, 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 unless you objected each and every time something wrong was done, uh, we're going to consider it waived. So it it can be risky on the part of the defense. Uh, There were lots of grounds for appeal in this case, but appeals are for losers, right? You're only appealing if you lost the trial and the chances of winning a meaningful uh, appeal, a result on appeal are, are minuscule, less than 1%. Uh, and if you do win, you get a reversal of your conviction, remand for a new trial. So you, you're doing the trial over again. You're, you're not getting the charges dismissed with prejudice uh, so that you're clear of the charges. One in a million, one in 10 million, it just doesn't really happen. So lots of grounds for appeal. You know, again, if, if I were Alec Murdoch, got nothing else to do with my time in prison. So I may as well do that. Um, uh, Vince, Vince Loker, $5. Thank you so much. Says hundred percent agree with Nate. The judge looked for a reason to bring in all the other stuff. Uh, defense opened the door according to the judge. And that was it. You know, I have to wonder what the defense, if, if they just didn't know it was all coming in anyway, if they didn't know from the beginning, certainly the judge would telegraph. He'd say, I'm not going to make a ruling now. But he would telegraph what his ruling was going to be. For example, when the question of the state rebuttal came up and the defense said, well, if they get a rebuttal, we should get a sir rebuttal. And the judge was like, well, I'm not ruling on that now. But I want you to know I'm really disinclined to allow a sir rebuttal. Well, you can't get a clearer message from a judge than that. He's he's not going to do it. Uh, Jim Altig, $10. Tank of gas for the bike. Thank you for all you do, sir. Yeah, my, my bike has a big gas tank, Jim. Uh, I think it's it's eight gallons, seven point nine gallons. So four bucks a gallon, twenty eight bucks, thirty two bucks. Let's call it thirty bucks. So it's a third of a tank of gas, but it's much appreciated. Snowboard Dan, twenty dollars super chat. Do you think they convicted him just so they had him for life instead of maybe Alex slip by and other fraud issues somehow? I mean, is there any way he gets out from under the uh, financial fraud issues? Maybe. Uh, if he had something to trade, I mean, that happens all the time. So he stole a lot of money from people. But most of the people he stole money from were made whole. The law firm paid. So ultimately, so the clients were made whole, is my understanding. Uh, of course, the law firms had a ton of money, but they're not poor. Uh, and uh, if he had, you know, uh, drug information 
uh, on a drug network that he could sell to prosecutors. Might they make a deal on the financial stuff? Sure. Happens all the time. Um, so they definitely wanted both for sure. And of course it was good theater for the prosecution. Charles Argo, $35 of 35 something Z-A-R. I don't know what Z-A-R is, uh, but 35 something. Thank you very much. Please show the CBS interview with a juror. It supports your reasoning. So folks, I never believe what jurors say after a trial. I just don't believe it. There, there's so many forces on them to fabricate some narrative, um, to reduce apparent social pressure on them, family pressure on them. Um, you know, they come to their verdict. That was their verdict. And jurors who've been released or jurors after they've done their verdict, um, I hear them all the time say things like, oh, if only I'd known that additional information, I never would have voted for acquittal. Is that true or not? Is it, is it only, are they only saying it because now that they've voted for acquittal, uh, say like in the George Zimmerman case, this happened with a number of jurors. Well, they, they're back in their community they, and nobody can believe they just released what, what the public believes is a terrible, horrible, racist murderer of 12 year old Trayvon Martin. How could you acquit that monster? So they have to come up with some narrative to release, relieve the social pressure from themselves. So I never really believe what jurors say after the fact. Uh, let's see. Crafty, $10 super chat. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your coverage of this very long trial, Branko. Thank you very much. I That's very kind. Jamie Green, $5 super chat. Thank you. I watched the documentary during V-Watch, and it made me see many others who had motive and gave me reasonable doubt. I don't know what V-Watch is, but I can tell you, folks, that I didn't watch any of the documentaries, any of the true crime podcast stuff. When, when I'm covering a trial, I try to work. I mean, I'm aware those things exist, of course. But when I'm covering a trial, I'm trying to limit my legal analysis and commentary to evidence that's actually admissible in the trial. Uh, so I try to filter all that other stuff out. And when, uh, for all we know, that other stuff is gossip, rumor, innuendo, has no basis in fact at all. Uh, so, and that could go both ways. So I try to limit myself to the actual evidence admitted in trial. Rocky, $5 super chat, writes, Alec was guilty by the jury the second he walked in. Jurors don't need more than five minutes of trial and probably tainted by media and peer pressure. That seems likely, and that's one of the risks. That's how innocent people get convicted. You have two years of propagandizing by the state, fabricating claims of evidence like bloody shirts, and then you have six weeks of trial. You have a couple days to pick a jury. So are you picking a jury? They all say, because you ask them, can you be fair? Can you be impartial? Can you be unbiased? Can you set aside any preconceptions? And of course, they're only seated on the jury because they say, yeah, I can do that. Can they really do it? Do they mean it? We, we don't have mind reading machines. Uh, Kingslayer Damocles, $10 super chat. Thank you so much. Writes, he kept saying, meaning the judge, he kept saying the defense suggested or committed like an assault on SLED, but literally the day before closing, SLED got fined millions for lying to the court and discovered problems in a different case. What a joke of a judge. Yeah, I don't think much of this judge. I don't know about the SLED fine thing. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to believe it's true. I just don't know anything about it. I do know they lied here. They lied to the grand jury about the bloody shirt. They lied to the grand jury about similar weapons uh, being used to the murder weapon being found in the house. 
Um, and they knew those things were lies. They knew they were lies. So uh, let's see. Holly Mania. And by the way, folks, as far as I'm concerned, if, if the authorities lie to a grand jury to get an indictment and that's discovered at trial, all the charges should be dismissed with prejudice. That's the only way to prevent law enforcement from railroading people who ought not be put to the risk and cost of trial um, being put there unfairly by the police lying. Just like if the police lie on a warrant, the evidence gets excluded. Well, I think we should apply the same principle here. And does that mean that some guilty people will end up going free? Sure. But if there's any other way to keep law enforcement as honest as possible in getting an indictment on someone, I don't know what it is. Holly Mania, $10. Thank you so much. Thanks for the coverage. Gary, $20. Thank you so much. Is self-defense a human right? Uh, well, it's a natural right, and humans are part of nature. Animals defend themselves, right? So it's a it's about as profound a natural right as uh, as life could have. All right, let me take a quick look back at the members. Let's see. Um, uh, David, law self defense member David says Nate is wrong. Even of all that stuff, the other stuff, the prior crimes was kept out. I think the jury would have convicted him. The press had already found him guilty and poisoned the jury. Seems likely. Uh, let's see. I may have covered all this already. Yeah, I did. And let me take, see if I can figure out how to do uh, rumble rants. I don't, I don't really know how to do rumble rants. Well, now it's asking me to pay for a rumble rant myself. I, I think I'll pass on that opportunity. Let me scroll through and see if they're highlighted in some way. That would be useful to me. And it looks like they are, they are not. Um, so I have to say I was really troubled by all the judges' uh, commentary during sentencing. It's, it came across to me as very, very personal, uh, very biased, um, really bizarre. But having said that, uh, my legal practice, the, the cases I consult on, we almost always get people the charge is dismissed, or at least the person put into a diversion program. Uh, we don't get a lot of convictions. So and uh, even when we get a conviction, my, my job is over by then. So I'm not really part of the sentencing discussion uh, after the fact. So I can't claim great legal expertise on sentencing or, or what's common among judges. But this certainly struck me as extremely personal commentary. I'd like to hear from a, a, a guy more experienced in sentencing like uh, and appeals, of course, like Steve Gosney on the judge's demeanor here. All right. So uh, I, I should also mention that in about an hour, in just about an hour, I'm supposed to be on the Megan Kelly show. Um, she's This is the Megan Kelly from Fox, but of course she's not on Fox anymore. She has her, her own show on the internet now. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see, but the, yeah, so 12, 12 PM, 12 PM Eastern time, which is when in about three hours, I guess nine, three, hmm. 
Well, anyway, 12 p.m. Eastern time is when they told me. I don't know if it's going to be live, though. Um, so I would just Google Megan Kelly show and see when they're scheduled to broadcast. I'm not sure if it'll be a live show. They want me to talk about this trial. Uh, they also they say they want to ask me about other stuff. The latest on Alec Baldwin. Uh Jesse Smollett asking for a retrial. I guess I don't have much to say about that. I hadn't even heard about that. And the Arizona rancher accused of killing a Mexican migrant on his property. So presumably we'll get to some or all of those topics on my appearance at the Megan Kelly show. If it's not live, presumably it'll be streamed uh, sometime later today. Yeah. All right. That's it, folks. I wanted to uh, remind all of you, if you carry a gun, so you're hard to kill. That's why I carry a gun. So I'm hard to kill. So my family is hard to kill then you also owe it to yourself and your family to make sure you know the law so you're hard to convict. Until next time, hopefully tomorrow, I remain attorney Andrew Branca for Law of Self-Defense. Stay safe. 